Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic. Found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Born in China, Jiao Yang Summers first came to America for college in Kentucky, speaking no English, then went to Hollywood looking for stardom. Summers has found it so far already on TikTok, where she has gained more than 1.2 million followers. And she's created her own stage, The Hollywood Comedy, where she and other aspiring comedians can develop their voices. Since the pandemic, Summers has released a half-hour special as part of Comedy Invasion 2.0, available on Prime Video, and hosted a stand-up showcase, LMAOF, for OnlyFans. Summers will perform at the 2022 New York Comedy Festival, running her new hour, Tiger Milf, and she spoke with me in Los Angeles ahead of that. If you like this conversation, please consider subscribing to my Substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com so you can read bonus commentary on this episode as well as more comedy news and insights. Thanks in advance. And now that that's out of the way, let's get to it. Thank you so much for meeting with me in this uh, glorious house, mansion, office. I don't know how Hollywood works. Everything is this... Everything is everything in Hollywood, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, very Hollywood. <laughs> I love this. I had my first uh, general meeting with CBS on Zoom right here in that corner. I love it. So you're taking meetings. Is that what happens when you become like TikTok famous? Is that everybody wants to? No, it's the stand-up that stand out. Okay. There's a l- millions of TikTok influencers. I know. Yeah. I'm a real stand-up. I think that's what works out. Well, you're not they, only they want to see me after they saw me perform live. They didn't want to see me after they see my uh, black dick, you know, video. <laughs> so it's it's they, they respect you because stand up is a craft. Like if you can murder a crowd on an amazing crazy lineup, you get respect from, I think, from the studios. They don't really care about influencers unless you have a hundred million followers, like the Kardashians. One million, two million doesn't really matter. No, one of your reps was just telling me before you got here that that just like last week you had to go up right after like Whitney Cummings and Sarah Silverman at mm-hmm. a show, and you know they're both in the game a lot longer than you and mm-hmm. household names, and you're still on the come up. So mm-hmm. what's it like to have to go on? Love it. I, I enjoy <laughs> it very much. I wasn't nervous at all. I was just having fun, and I just feel like that was that would be uh, the moment that define or break or define my career break or make it you know if you can kill after sarah silverman and whitney i think people and i killed so i i was waiting for that moment you joke you know you did a half hour for this series called asian invasion that's now on prime video um you joke about having to survive the one child policy and almost being a dumpster baby mm-hmm. what is the what's the real story of, of uh, the what real happened. story is that I was born a girl and my mom and my dad had planned to give me away so that's a real story and uh, they changed their mind they won't get rid of me but they changed their mind and uh, I was reminded by this every day that my life was granted to me by them so what does it mean now cut to these years later where you're in the states and you're Pursuing a career in entertainment as a as a stand up comedian, I think gave me a really strong 
point of view of things.、Mm-hmm. When people are being little snowflakes and little bitches complaining <laughs> about bullshit, and、uh, I just have my point of view that's really strong,、mm-hmm. and I think that gave me a very powerful voice. And the people like to see, like, if a foreigner with an accent just thinks that something's fucked up, maybe it is fucked up. But in terms of just living up to what the standards your parents were setting for you, when you know they're reminding you constantly that, like this this life that you give that you have,、mm-hmm. they it wasn't guaranteed. Wasn't for you. Like you had to work for everything, earn everything.、Mm-hmm. So what was the initial plan? It probably wasn't. Entertainment. Growing I up, growing up loved in China. performing. When I was a little girl, I loved performing, but I was not allowed to be on stage because I was too ugly. And、uh, I start writing,、mm-hmm. reading. Grandpa was a scholar in classical Chinese literature and a, philo-、uh, a calligrapher. So I learned intensively of the Chinese classical literature, and uh, uh, I became a poet. I write classical Chinese poetry, and I words my feelings. I write a lot. I read a lot. I got very severely nearsighted because I was reading all day, all night. The whole because I didn't have any friends.、Mm-hmm. Words were my most like amazing. Like just my 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 friend. I I have my words, and that's what I had. Where in China were you growing up? North part of China. Okay. Did you come to America before college, or was it right before college? college? I came here for college. Yeah, I came here when I was eighteen. So how do you decide on Kentucky? I didn't decide on Kentucky. I was、uh, <laughs> like you joke. Nobody decides、yeah. on Kentucky. I, so I how- was able to convince my mom to send me to America, but the thing is, she wouldn't help me apply for schools or apply for visa.、Mm-hmm. So I had to figure it out all by myself. I'm probably the first person to go to America in my city. So I have to just、uh, find out what should I do. Is like applying for schools.、So、I applied all the schools, and you get your first offer from the school. That's how you get a visa. Okay. So the first offer was from Kentucky. I didn't care; it's Kentucky. I just want to go to America. So I took that offer to get my visa. I have other school later on, but I just wanted to go to America. I didn't care where it is. So, what was your first impression when you landed and you showed up in Lexington, Kentucky? I got lost in the airport in O'Hare in Chicago. Nobody wants to help me.、I、oh, even before、English. the connection in O'Hare. Yeah, I didn't uh, uh, speak English well. I mean, I don't speak any English when I just came. So it was very difficult. I. I'm still ugly. I'm still not confident, and I still have no friends. And I'm still an outsider. Not now. I I worked very hard to 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 become to stand out. So, so is is a lot of your comedy to like overcome your own self doubt and and also、yeah. overcome the doubt of other people about you. I think that's、uh, such an important thing、uh, for any artist to discover, and I think I have it.、Mm-hmm. Um, I just、uh, become confident, and I learned、uh, to love myself and to be happy about what I have. And、uh, I love that I, I studied business. I also took theater class. I love acting, so I, I want to go to Hollywood when I'm, when I'm done with school. So I moved to Los Angeles when I was twenty thirteen. I moved here. Okay. To pursue、uh, acting. Wait. So, did you graduate f- from Kentucky, or did you transfer? I didn't transfer. I just came to、um, here to study acting with Howard Fine Studio. It's not a school; it's just acting class. Right. Yeah. But but take me back to you know you say when you first landed in O'Hare, you got lost. You didn't 
know hardly any English, but you end up at Kentucky. What were you, how did you make do? How did you, that first semester, how did you get, get through that? I don't remember really. It was just uh, exciting because I'm not, I'm in a different country. I right. have a clean slate. I can start my own life. Is that when you first started studying theater or, um, or did you start yeah. out studying something else first? I, I studied uh, um, business. I uh, always studied business. Theater is like take some theater class. Okay. A minor is not my major. And I then you said how to make money first. Right. Did, <laughs> were you able to make friends in, in Lexington? Yes. I had this, uh, um, friends. Her name is Eric and Mary. They mm-hmm. are two white girls from Kentucky grew up in Singapore who speaks Chinese. Okay. So they teach me English and I speak Chinese with them and we become very good friends. Oh, nice. It's very they, sweet. Do yeah, they also uh, dabble in the performing arts or no? No, they are just, uh, I think, arrogating fans. I think uh, Mary is uh, in education. Mm-hmm. They are very um, beautiful Kentucky girls, loves the nature, loves animals, and uh, not into the glitter and vanity of Hollywood. Did you get into either basketball or horse racing in no. Kentucky? I did a tutor the basketball people <laughs> as a math tutor, but uh, I didn't really care about sports. No. I want to become an actress. So, like you said, in 2013, you came to Los Angeles. Yeah, to pursue acting. And did you have a battle plan? Like, did you yeah. have? Okay, what was the plan? Uh, I'll take classes, become very good at it, get a good agent, and book some role and become a movie star. Didn't happen. <laughs> At what point does comedy start entering the picture? Uh, actually, through acting. I auditioned for TV series uh, Rebel, uh, John Singleton's TV series. Mm-hmm. It was a girl. She's a Chinese girl living in Oakland. Her name is Karma. And that was the major role for me. I, uh, I had a callback. I prepared with Howard Fine. It was, I was, I, no, that was my big break. Mm-hmm. I remember auditioning, and I forgot the line. I stopped improvising, and John Singleton was very impressed. He started laughing so hard. He walked to me with his phone playing a little clip of Ali Wong's Baby Cobra, the mm. special, saying, you should do stand-up, you'll be a star. I asked him, do I have the role now? Am I booked a job? He's like, no, <laughs> can't. I can't book you. You don't sound like you're from San Francisco. <laughs> but that was he was very very serious about me doing stand up he actually got my phone number to text me to supervise me so I can go to my first open mic he think I'll be a star in stand up so you don't get the role but you do get some friendship. S- some s- friendship and sage advice of mm-hmm. like this oh, life uh, it was not stage advice it's life advice career advice no sage sage yes yeah, sage. sage advice Sorry. that's good sage. Yeah. <laughs> I don't speak English everybody have an accent in my ear so, so he, he says, uh, you know, I'm watching Ali Wong. I see you. I, th- I think you should be in stand-up comedy. Does he tell you where to go for the first open mic? Or do you, how do you figure out where to go? He just said, find an open mic. Right. So I didn't go. I wasn't happy. I was very upset I didn't get the role. I don't give a fuck about stand-up back then. I don't know what the hell is stand-up. But I know everything about movie. I watched the silent movies. I watched... All the classic movies, I, I want to be actress. I was mm-hmm. so upset. I didn't even care. I wouldn't even text him. And you're still single at the time, right? You hadn't been married yet? Separated, yeah. Oh, okay. So I didn't text him. I was like upset. Mm-hmm. I was like, if you think I'm, I'll be a star, you should book me for this movie. I prepared so hard for it. 
if I have a callback, I'm not too far, you know, mm-hmm. why can't you book me? So I was upset with him. I didn't, I had his, he texted me his name, but I didn't even respond. I'm just like, I, because I didn't know what is stand up. I didn't know this is going to change my life, what he told me. He was, he's very tough. He wouldn't say anything nice, but he said, you'll be a big star if you do stand up. Right, but you didn't want to hear it at the time. No, I just think that's a rejection. So I went to, I had I did this show. No, I was hosting this event at Shanghai Film Festival. Mm-hmm. So I went back to China and I met uh, my ex-husband. So we got married. I just the kind of very heartbroken with all the acting auditions and everything. I took a break. I never did my open mic after John Singleton told me to do it. I got married. I had a baby. And then I have this really bad postpartum depression and seeing all my, some of my friends taking off with their career and I'm just doing nothing. So I got this text message again, like, hey, you, you got married, you know, did you ever try stand up? You have to try it. At least you have to try it. If you hate it, tell me. But if you don't try it, you have no right to tell me you hate it. So I was very depressed. So I'm like, I'm going to go do a stand up. And I did my first open mic. Where was that? It's a little shithole in Koreatown. Yeah, nothing special. Obviously, <laughs> all the open mic places is shady. Right, but but you go to this place, you don't know anybody there, presumably? No, I don't know anybody who does comedy. What What did you, how did you prepare for that? Like, mm. not not knowing much about what you were getting yourself into at the I time? I don't know. I'm just going to say, say something, I was thinking. I didn't write anything. Did Did it click for you immediately after that no. first open mic? Or no, it was did it take shady. some time? It was bad. But uh, there's something there. I think I belong there. Mm-hmm. I didn't do well, obviously. I didn't even remember what I said. I was just, I feel like I, was, I got hit by a car. And uh, I knew that's what I should be doing for the rest of my life. <laughs> I, I bombed, obviously. No, that's... that's it stopped me from... That's kind of the peculiar nature of being a stand-up comedian, right? Is Is it can go great and your head can swell up and you can get really full of yourself and think things are going to go great. But eventually, early on, you're going to have that point where you bomb so bad that, like you just said, you feel like you get hit by a car. And yet, something tells you this is still the thing that you should be doing. Yeah. I remember I was walking down the stage. Some people in the audience said, somebody should should not be doing comedy. That was bad. I took three vodka shots and went to my car crying. Just start crying. And, you know, I was breastfeeding, so my breast milk was, like, popping out. So, like, it, just, it was awful. I'm like, oh, my God. I should catch some milk for the baby. Then I'm like, he can't drink it. This is vodka in here. I should dump this. I'm like, no, I can't dump it. This is, this is a wet Russian. I can drink it. So I'm like, that's funny. I should say this <laughs> next time. So I, I knew. I knew I'd be wrong there. And uh, it was the thrill that I never had before. And I think I'm an addict, and the stage is my drug of choice. That's where I belong. And it's very funny because we're talking about last week, one of my producer friends, he's like, are you nervous? Sarah Silverman is on. And when he comes, just killed. I'm like, no, I'm not. He's like, how can you not be nervous? I'm, just, I'm not nervous. I'm ready to go there and do my thing. I don't care who was on. It can be George Collin or John Rivers. I'm just thrilled to be there. And I don't feel nervous at all. Who Who would you say were your first friends in comedy that you made going going to all the shows mm, I made some friends but I just kind of got really busy and moved just uh, stopped doing the same thing so I really I think Aiden Park he's a gay comedian he's mm-hmm. a gay Asian comedian he's very nice 
he's like a good friend through comedy. Right, because I mean, it's it's a very solitary occupation, but you need. I've found over the years covering comedy and talking to the comedians that, despite it being a very solitary thing, you need to have some sort of support network,、mm-hmm. right? You need to have either friends who are putting you on their shows and you put them on your shows, or just friends who you can talk to each other for advice and to get yourself through those rough patches in the beginning.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think having good friends is very important in comedy. Comedians are really good people. They are crazy too.、Um, it's very competitive, and it's very hard for women, especially women of color or immigrant or foreigner. It's it's incredible. It's crazy. Yeah, it's very difficult. So, where were you at in your comedy career when the pandemic started? I started my comedy club. I started. I was two months in, open micing. I bought my own club. When I found out that that's what I need is a stage time, so I did the best I can to move as fast as I can. I think.、Mm-hmm. Wait, so you started going to the open mics in what January? November. Of, November of twenty nineteen.、Mm. I mean, I've been doing yeah, like、uh, exact three years to now is how long I've been、okay. doing comedy. So you start going to the open mics in the in the fall winter of twenty nineteen. Pandemic, everything shuts down in March of 2020. Yeah. And when did you just when did you decide that one I need my own venue and two how do you figure out how to do one month when I start doing open mic I don't think there's enough time for me on stage so I decided to open my own venue I just drove to find a space and、uh, lease it、mm-hmm. even renovated and open a club. I, I, I'm always. I never feel like how I just want. I want something. I, I'm just gonna do it. I right. Don't, I don't care. I'm gonna do it because I need it. I just.、Uh, that's why I can't argue with people who who talks in a circle. Like I always want to solve the problem. Like I want to be amazing at stand up. And、uh, I need this to be to do it ten hours a day. I can't do it anywhere. I'm not a star. I buy my own venue so I can do it. So it's all about me getting better. It isn't really about.、Uh, Oh, how can I get to use this? I'm like, they don't want to book you at the comedy store because you're not ready. Right. Like, get ready. So that's what I did. I always want to solve problems. But that's an unusual way to do it because I say that because most comedians, their solution is go find a bar, go find a restaurant. Yeah, but you can only do for one hour. You can't be at the bar for ten hours. Right. I'm doing. But that's、bed. what. But that's what most comedians have done. Yeah, over、decades. the last twenty years, is they? I don't have twenty years to. They、waste. find it. They find a place that sells fish tacos, and they、mm-hmm. go, "Oh, well, you can do comedy out out back." Yeah. Every Tuesday, right? Isn't、yeah. that's one of the? It is. <laughs> yeah, but、uh, I I I want to make it in two years, or one year,、mm-hmm. in one month. But it's not possible. You have to have the ten thousand hours rule. So I just want to give myself the ten thousand hours. That's what I did. I one 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 hour a day is not going to work. I can't get better. Fast enough.、Mm-hmm. So, how long did it take you to find the space on Melrose? That's the Hollywood. One week took one me to week. find it, and one week took me to renovate it. I opened in two weeks. Wow! It was a clothing store. <laughs> it was like one big white、mm-hmm. clothing store with ugly hippie outfits. That's where the business classes、mm-hmm. come in, right?、Mm, I renovated into this black box theater. Yeah. Was it was it pretty easy then to convince comedians to to come along? F- 
Well, they need right? open mic. I designed a business model that every hour there's open mic for 10 people. Mm-hmm. People need a stage time. It's like a gym. And the location is great and parking is good. So When did you open? Uh, February 7th. Of this on year? On my son's birthday. The club? Yeah. No, no. I opened it two, two, year, two, two years ago. Two years and a half ago. So you opened it right before the pandemic. Right before the pandemic. <laughs> one month before. Yeah. So that's got to be quite a gut punch then. You open this place, you're like, okay, I've got my gym. I've got my place where I can be on stage every night, multiple times a night. I can get those 10,000 hours. I host open mic 10 hours a day by myself, every day. So then how did you cope when... Just keep paying the rent. When the end of March happened. I didn't want to. I didn't believe I'm going to close it. I just keep paying the rent. I'm keeping it. I'm like, I'm going to keep it when this reopens. Because I'm, I will be a comedian, and that's what I need. So in in Los Angeles, when did when did they start lifting the restrictions so you could yeah, start like to do next something? Year. A year later. During this year, that's how I got big on TikTok. I started telling my jokes to my phone, testing all the materials. So I I always I'm like, oh my god, it's in the world. Oh my god, always all the money. I don't care. I'm like everybody's facing this. Mm-hmm. I'm paying, paying, I'm paying because I want to be a comedian. I'm keeping it. He's like, oh, I'm losing that much. Yeah, yeah, okay, so move on. Mm-hmm. So I don't get, like, I don't have the artist mindset, like, a freak out about things. I'm a businesswoman, so you want to be a comedian. I, I, I still want it, even though a pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. So um, I have a club. We can't open, then fine. I'll open when we can. But what do I do now? What do I do now? So I'm like, let me tell my jokes and test my jokes on social media. That's what I did with TikTok. I write four jokes a day. I post four videos. And sometimes one video hit, I'll be developing that material. If it goes million views, it means you connect with the audience. So I write. I read a lot during the pandemic. And I didn't feel like it slowed me down because I can't go on stage. I start social media. So for you, was the, was the, was the growth immediate on TikTok? Or did it take a yeah, while? Yeah, immediate. A week. <laughs> I have a video with a million views. What was the first video that really struck gold for you? It's a, like, how can you tell different Asians, like that kind of stuff, like very cultural stuff. That's the thing people like to hear from me, like uh, uh, talking, just like talk about my mom, mm-hmm. even talk about my personal life. So I start developing very personal materials because of my TikTok showing me what connects. And I'm very grateful for TikTok connecting with the audience. It helped me find my voice. Normally it would probably take me 10 years to find it. But if a video goes to 10 million views, you know it connected. Yeah. That's simple. That's what I develop. Then the trick, of course, is like translating that into real life success. Yeah. Whether it's on the stage or mm-hmm. going to meet with people at CBS or, mm-hmm. or whoever you're taking meetings with now mm-hmm. and going, look, I can demonstrate that people want to see me on their phones. Put me on your screens or put me on your stages. I think they really are snotty. They want uh, to see you in a room, and you are the best one. Mm-hmm. Right, like, uh, right after Joe Coy performed, like, it didn't really matter. And then they will be like, okay, let's uh, see what we can put you in. But uh, they, I don't think they care about your social media at all, to be honest. Right, yeah, you, meant, you mentioned Joe, Joe Coy, and... He- he he's put out multiple Netflix specials, but in his most recent one that came out in 2022, mm-hmm. he he talked openly about how Netflix didn't want him in the beginning, and how he had to finance yeah. it himself 
Yeah, I yeah, I know this story. Yeah,、mm-hmm. that's true. So they want you when you are huge, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. And、uh, I think、uh, because of、uh, me performing as a stand-up,、uh, impress them, so they get to know me. They realize I'm also an influencer,、mm-hmm. but not because I have my followers. They came no, they don't care about that. Because anybody with no talent can be an influencer. But a stand-up is a stand-up, and actually, being an influencer in the stand-up can make it harder for me because people just think I'm not funny. I'm only here because I'm popular, right? And it's actually people don't take you serious. When nobody give a fuck about me unless you saw me, they saw me live. I have this big manager who was really interesting me, but his、uh, senior people saw my saw my TikTok like、oh, just an influencer. But he didn't come to see a show, you know.、Mm-hmm. When, once you see a show, people understand what I'm about. But if you don't see me live, you really don't get it. You just think, okay, yeah, she got lucky. You know, she has so much followers. People just buy tickets. But that's not that's not what I have more stage time than everybody I know who start the same time as me. I work harder than anybody I know who, who are my peers. I I just do. They may, they may be more talented than me, but I work harder, and that's what I can control. I can't control my talent. I can only control how much more hours I can put in, and that's made all the difference. So when the clubs did reopen here in LA in 2021, how quickly were you able to convince? I know you had your own venue, but how able? How quick, quickly were you able to convince other venues, like say the Improv, where I know you have a monthly show?、Mm-hmm. How how quickly were you able to convince clubs like the Improv to say, "Give me give me a slot, and and I'll show you what I can do." They don't give you a fuck. They don't care. You stand online,、mm-hmm. stand for two hours,、mm-hmm. pull a lottery, and go on stage. And if you are lucky, you'll never get pulled. But you cannot get pulled for six months. No, they don't give you a chance. So how did you get that first show then? I got I I got on the open mic like every miserable bitches. Just stand online, draw my name in the bucket, and hopefully I get pulled. And six months later, I got my my name got pulled, and I go there and I fucking sucked. And I keep going back, and、uh, two months later, my name got pulled again, and I fucking killed. The booker at Improv said, "You can come back next week for a spot." So I just keep coming back, keep coming back. Finally, they think I was ready. So you can't just go there, be like, "Give me a spot." No, you can't have a spot. Stand in line, wait for six months, yeah, and pull the lottery, and that's what I did. Right, but then to be able to go from that to telling them. Give me a monthly show where it's yeah, John Yang, being, John Yang, Summers, and friends. Yeah, yeah, really offered me that. Yeah, she saw me, girl. She saw me at my first open mic too when I become a paid regular at the Laugh Factory.、Mm-hmm. So it's I didn't go to Laugh Factory. Like I have many followers. Why don't you give me a spot and try me out? No, no. You stand outside online with a crazy and homeless. Hopefully your name get pulled, and the, then they give you a callback or they don't.、Mm-hmm. Day after day, week after week, months after months, year after year. That's what I did. I go there every Tuesday. So people just like, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, then you are too good for this. I、right. don't think I'm too good. I can go with my Birkin bag. I'm still standing there. So I don't care. I'll take whatever it takes. And I don't even like feel like being an influencer. I'm better than them. I just、uh, do whatever anybody else is doing、mm-hmm. to get ahead. I put in the hard, ugly work. I don't. Be like I'm an influencer. Put me on a show. I'll show you what I can do. They don't care. So I know you know you're filming a special that's called Tiger Milf. Yes. Which I guess probably marketing wise sells a lot better than Annoying Ho. Annoying Ho. Annoying Ho. 
And I was like, I don't know. I think uh, Tiger Milf would be like what I am right now. Right. Um, but tell me about uh, Uber Karen. Because mm-hmm. that's a new web series that you started to put out with other comedians. Yeah. Who are passengers in your car, mm-hmm. right? I think uh, I remember I was in Trader Joe's once. Mm-hmm. I was pregnant. And I wasn't wearing my ring because my doctor told me that uh, your, your finger got swollen. Like if you wear a ring, it can be dangerous. So I... This lady, she came to me, she's like, hi. I said, hi, can I help you? She said, uh, I noticed that you are not married and you are pregnant. Do you just come to this country to have a baby? I'm like, lady, what's your name? Can I call you Karen? Karen, listen, uh, I didn't come to this country to have one baby. I came here to have a lot of babies. And also, your husband, he's staring at my big titties. Like, I think he's thirsty. Get him milk. So I'm like, hmm. I should do a character that's a, she's a Karen, but she's not white. Mm-hmm. She's Asian. So I want people to see what racism sounds like. So that's why I'm being racist towards everybody, racist and sexist, and just being a bully. So I want people to hear the words they say, how ugly they are. So that's actually the concept I had for Uber Karen. But are to be all, racist is the two anti-racism. But are all the passengers other women in comedy or just the first few episodes that I've seen? There's women, there's men, there's mm-hmm. actors, there's friends. Most of them are actors and comedians, my friends. It, is that also the reason why you've started doing that other series where you roast American uh, names? Name roasting is, have nothing to do with Uber Karen, but also have everything to do with... Uh, People think Chinese names are stupid. African right. names are stupid. Anything foreign is stupid because we Americans just believe that we are the center of the world. American culture is the center of all cultures. The American English language is the language of all languages. If your name sounds weird in our language in English, you suck. So I want to show people like, um, no, you are not the only culture. Oh, English is not only English. Like, it's not only language. There's a lot of things that sounds very stupid in Chinese. I'll show you how stupid they sound like. Right. I mean, I just mean in terms of the similarity between that and Uber Karen being you're, you're promoting anti-racism. by Yes. Like, <laughs> because fight, it's so funny. Fighting back against, yeah. It's funny. No, it, it, it instantly reminded, it took me back like I'm old enough. You don't look old. But I'm old enough to remember when the movie 16 Candles came out and that mm. movie infamously had one Asian character whose name was Long Duck Dong. Mm-hmm. And that was like part of the whole thing was he was this exchange student yeah. and he was the butt of the joke and his name was supposed to be like the butt Funny. of the joke yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. And at the time in the eighties, like nobody made us think about it, but then all these year, years later, we're all suddenly realizing, Oh, this was horrible. How did we, how did we stand for this as a society? Yes. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it, it, it seems as though you know, one of the main rules of comedy is timing, and you have some really good timing. In terms I hope of, so. <laughs> in terms of coming on the scene. If I don't uh, have a good timing, it'll be too late. So where in the 10,000 hours do you feel you're at now? I don't know. I, I, I don't really know. I think it's a lot. I do 14 shows a week. That's tough to do in L.A., unless you own your own venue. Yeah, I own mine. <laughs> I, I own two clubs. I had to get rid of one because my touring got too busy. So I don't know where I am. I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm good. I found my voice. And uh, I've had a line, Caroline's, the biggest clubs in America. And uh, the sales were very good. So I think I'm good. 
And I just need to focus on getting more time on stage, more and more, just get better and better. So what is the plan? You're going to film, you're going to keep working on this hour until 2023 and then... Yeah, I'll just film it probably like in six months. I think I'm ready. I've been running for a long time. Like I've been running my one hour for six months already. So if I if I get to talk to you again in, in another couple of years, what do you what do you hope to be telling me about? My second comedy special, and uh, I already have two or three movies and two TV shows. Probably I found the love. I'm happy. I'm happy now. Yeah, it'll be it'll be great in two years. Well, I guess I'd be happy that you... You mean in two months, it'll be great. I guess I'd be happy you'd take my calls then in a couple of years. Well, Pam likes you, so she'll take it. <laughs> Thanks, Yanying. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you so for the very amazing questions. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was post-produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music was by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. If you enjoyed listening, please check out my substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host, Sean L. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.